Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, the renaissance does follow the dark ages, and if you have any doubt that we're in the dark ages, um, turn on standard news. Okay, you're going to get a really cool uh, view of that. So we're going to talk about diabetes. Okay, now diabetes, 95% of all diabetics are type 2, and this is a blood poisoning or stress-related response. Uh, Now, this happens to be vital now because when we're looking at... um, uh, the the coronavirus or the SARS-CoV-2, okay, virus causing the diseases, we knew back in January, and then more data came in in February, and more data came in March, that people that were dying of this weren't young, healthy people. They were old people with comorbid conditions. So we're going to cover... Um, who is actually dying. Now, this is part of the talk, one of the talks that were um, censored off of YouTube. And so so the information is really pertinent. But we got to put this crisis in, in perspective. And so if you look at um, heart disease, now, now imagine this, okay? Uh, not only, I mean, you know this is being sensationalized by the, by the press, uh, and there have been uh, over 100,000 deaths, okay, uh, contributed to this, okay, by this part of the year. Now, we're six months into this year. So 100,000 people, okay, if, if the numbers continue to grow, which is crazy because we know that the tests aren't that accurate, uh, could get up to 80% false positives. And we know that March 24th, the State Department or the, the health services – decided to put out that the difference between dying with COVID or dying from COVID. And so if you have any kind of positive test or suspected test, you're labeled as a COVID. So we're not even sure if those numbers are accurate. But imagine, now we're shutting down the entire economy for 100,000 people dying in six months of this year. What about heart disease? There's around 650,000 of those people die every year. What about cancer? What about car accidents? There are 170,000 people die every year. So when we look at this, just New York State alone, there's 421 people die every day. Okay, and this is without any virus. So can you imagine the news going on and saying, yes, tomorrow another 400 people are going to die. Stay in your homes. Protect yourself. You I mean, that stress alone is going to increase death rates. Uh, and now we're going to run through a couple of, of challenges with this uh, narrative that this disease is attacking anyone. One of them is the New England Medical Journal. And this was uh, put out by, yes, Anthony Fauci, uh, March 31st. And they said, look, it's, it's about as deadly as the flu. That's right. The Anthony Fauci said it. So let's look at this. This is, And we have to look at case fatality rate. And hugely important because if you look at anywhere between zero years old, okay, so you're just born, uh, to a 60 years old, you have, an, if you're... <laughs> You have between a ninety-nine, uh, 100% survival rate and a 99.7% survival rate. That's right. So that means you have a three-tenths of a percent, if you're under 60, of dying from this. 
and that's because you have to have a comorbid condition. And so you're looking at cardiovascular disease, diabetes, respiratory, high blood pressure, cancer. And less than one-tenth of one percent people that have died from this had no comorbid conditions. So it's really the sick people that are getting this. Uh, now, we know that the entire shutdown of the economy was based on modeling. And this was modeling done by the Imperial College of London. And they said about 2.2 million people in the U.S. were going to die. Now, um, how did they come up with it? They also said 510,000 Britons would die. Now, you might say, well, wait a second. Um, on, on average, uh, we're looking at 2.8 million Americans die every year. Okay, 2.8 million. And this is from heart attacks, cancer, car accidents, everything. When you get a population of about 330 million, 2.8 million are going to die every year, okay, from everything. Now, they're saying that this would be 4.8 million, okay, but we, we never shut down the economy for 2.8. But now, with the riots, with the economic disasters, with the suicides, with the increased antidepressants, the increased medication, the drug dependency, we're going to see those numbers skyrocket. But you might want to think, are these recommendations that they're talking about, hand sanitizers, face masks, social distancing, um, not staying out in the sun, closing parks, temperature screening, essential businesses closed, economies sacrificed, where is this? did this come from? Well, we know, and there's a brilliant article in National Review by, by John Fund, the professor lockdown, okay, Neil Ferguson has resigned in disgrace. That means his entire mod modeling of the virus was completely wrong. Now, um, how do we know about this? Well, um, in this article, and it was printed May 6th, I totally recommend you. Uh, Elon Musk calls Ferguson an utter tool who does absolutely absurdly fake science. Um, Jay Schitzner, um, an expert in vascular biology, said, I'm normally reluctant to say anything about a scientist, but he dances on the edge of being a publicity-seeking charlatan. I mean, for an example, uh, he said that Sweden, uh, with no lockdown, there'd be 40,000 COVID deaths by May 1st and 100,000 by June. In actual facts, uh, uh, Sweden had, according to this, had around 2,800 people die. Um, and that was May 6th. And uh, Neil Fraser, um, or no, Fraser Nelson, editor of British Spectre, said the Imperial College model is wrong by an order of magnitude. But let's look at his history. This Neil Ferguson guy who resigned, who panicked the entire world. Well, in 2001, he said the mad cow disease would kill 150,000 Britons. And so they killed 11 million sheep and cattle. Now, did that ruin a number of small businesses? Absolutely. Did that cause economic disaster? It sure did. But with 150,000 people on the line, 11 million sheep and cattle were destroyed. Turned out there were 177 deaths from mad cow disease. In 2005, he again, Ferguson predicted 150 million people would be killed by bird flu. 
and between 2003 and 2009, only 282 people died worldwide. Right, 150 million are going to die, in reality, 282. And then, you know, in 2009, he predicted the worst-case scenario for the swine flu, 5,000 Brits would be dead. In reality, only 457 died. So it's nuts. So we just have to change this. So let's look at the people who are at risk and how to help them. For one, to walk around with a mask and gloves and be afraid of your environment, that's working on an old theory called the germ theory. If a germ's out there and you get it, you're going to get sick. Well, that's not true because it has to do with the immune system. And this argument was done by Pasteur and Beauchamp years ago. And so we all have exposure to the environment. In fact, to have a healthy immune system, you don't lock yourself in a room with no exposure. You don't cover your face, cover your mouth, cover your eyes, coat your body in plastic, cover yourself in Purell um, to protect your immune system. That would actually kill you. In fact, to have a healthy immune system, you need exercise, fresh nutrients, exposure to viruses. That's right. You need exposure to the environment in order to develop healthy immune system responses. So we have two competing theories, the germ theory from Pasteur and the cellular theory that your body's um, adaptation or weakness, okay, that it's really the terrain. You strengthen the body to protect it from the environment where Pasteur would say that the germ is going to cause the disease. But common sense knows, you know, that 100 people exposed to a virus, are all 100 of them going to get sick? No, of course not. We know that from the statistics. When you have 300 million Americans, how many people are going to get sick? Well, statistically, 99.7 of everyone will be fine. 99.7% of that population will be okay. And so it's only the small minority that we have to protect. So it's not the germ exposure. It has to do with the immune system. And we know from the British Medical Journal, they're saying the biomedical model of illness that says that the germ causes disease um, and here's a quote, the biomedical model of illness, which has dominated healthcare for the past century, cannot fully explain many forms of the illness. Absolutely. So let's look at this. This is going to protect people who are vulnerable and not from COVID, but from every disease. We strengthen the body and then that gives you resistance to your environment. What kind of things weaken your immune system? Uh, well, if we're talking about this, we know medications, nutrient deficiencies, sedentary lifestyle, um, physical, chemical, emotional stress. What things strengthen your immune system? Healthy stress. That's right. Stress weakens the immune system, but healthy stress can strengthen it. And then you have to um, look at medications because medications actually toxify the body. It could save your life, but you have to find the underlying cause. And nutrient deficiencies, those also, um, if you get nutrient sufficiencies like healthy amounts of minerals, vitamins, bioflavonoids, so let's look at your immune system, because when we look at your immune system, what controls your immune system? 
your nervous system. And it's in two parts. One part keeps you alive under stress. That's the sympathetic or fight or flight. The other part regenerates tissue. That's the parasympathetic. So think of this. When you're under physical, chemical, or emotional stress, like let's say you're doing a march downtown and you get pelted with tear gas. Okay, so that's a physical stressor and a chemical stressor. That's going to put you in the fight or flight or stress response, which reduces your immune system response. Now, that fight or flight, you've got to run away from a tiger. So that means your heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up, and blood sugar goes up, along with LDL cholesterol. So that means your liver, under physical, chemical, or emotional stress, your liver starts to break glycogen down to glucose. Now, when you look at all diabetes facts, one-third of Americans, 30%, that's 100 million people, uh, will develop diabetes. 95% of those are type 2 diabetics. Now, type 2 diabetics, that is 100% reversible. The problem is, if, because this is a stress response, it's toxicity, deficiency, or stress. And if you deal with the toxicity, deficiency, and stress, then your blood sugar normalizes. Now, type 1 diabetes, and this is around 5% of all diabetics, that's damage to the pancreas. Some people call it an autoimmune disease. Some call it um, a toxification of that. But it's literally where the, the pancreas can't produce enough insulin. And then type 3 di di diabetes is both type 1 and type 2. So one is insulin deficient, one is insulin resistant. That means that type 1 means you're not producing enough insulin, so you've got to get the insulin shot. Type 2 means that you're producing plenty of healthy insulin. That means your pancreas is working. But your blood is so toxic, the job of insulin is to knock on the cell door and get glucose out of the blood into the cell where it can be utilized as energy. Well, eventually, this insulin knocking on the cell door to get the blood sugar out of the blood into the cell, the cells get resistant to the insulin. They have plenty of glucose. So it's really a blood poisoning. Uh, type 3 de develops because of psychotic recommendations by doctors. They just give you metformin or glucophage in type 2, which damages the heart and lowers blood glucose, but insulin remains high, and it's the insulin that does the damage. Now, we know for the last 50 years, the nutritional recommendations of the American Dietetic Association, American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association, um, they're nuts. Okay, they were recommending for 50 years complex carbohydrates like potatoes, rice, cereals, breads, which rapidly turn into blood and, and elevate glucose. Hell, the Heart Association is recommending canola oil, corn oil, uh, soybean oil, okay, all which, which <laughs> uh, toxifies the blood. And then we look at blood pressure recommendations. We know that blood pressure has changed multiple times over the last few years, and we're going to have some information on that. But right now, think of this. Um, if you read Joel Furman's book, the, the End of Diabetes, you can turn this around within about, in, we're talking within week to 10 days. If you look at Dr. Bernstein's Diabetes Solution, um, Richard Bernstein, brilliant book, okay, the, to normalizing blood sugars. And it involves changing your diet, exercising, and dealing with your stress. If you look at Gabriel Cousins, there's a cure for diabetes. 
These are all brilliant medical doctors with simple solutions, and if you follow their advice, you're going to check your blood sugar and you're going to find it normalized within about a week to 10 days. But you have to find the source of the problem. Now, it's not just diet and exercise. That's right. It can't be just diet and exercise, but it is. That's part of it. We also have to look at what you're putting in your system. If you're going to eat poisoned fats, and I'm talking the junk oils, the soy oil, the cottonseed oil, the canola or rapeseed oil, hydrogenated oils, these elevate blood sugar fantastically high because they actually damage tissue. Now, if you look at how to repair um, your, your um, faulty blood control system, okay, fresh, healthy flax oil, that means you grind it, fish oil, cod liver oil, and this starts to stabilize blood sugar. Um, healthy oils like butter, coconut oil, fat, these are fantastically good for you. Uh, a good quality broad-spectrum mineral supplement, absolutely essential, and control blood sugar. Now, um, to consume smaller meals, uh, regular exercise after you've eaten, avoid all processed sugars, alcohol will also elevate it. Uh, got to figure the main purpose of insulin is not to lower blood sugar. The main purpose, insulin role, is to take extra energy when available and store it for future needs. Okay, so insulin lowers glucose, has a side effect of directing the extra um, energy into storage. Now, a small amount of glucose is stored as starch, or it's called glycogen. And this is stored in our body, and the majority of it is stored in fat. So when you're taking in extra energy, insulin is designed to store that stuff into fat. Okay, now uh, I've got to tell you a story about Lillian uh, Silva, uh, Lillian Ashworth. Now, this is hugely important because we have to look at how your nervous system works. Now, this is back in 1907. This gal had the sugar disorder before it was called diabetes, and she had elevations in blood sugar, and her limbs started to lose their blood flow. So they told her that if they cut their, her legs off, that she would live longer. She said, what's going to happen when you cut my legs off? Well, you're going to die. So her neighbor said, have you ever been to a chiropractor? Now she takes a three-day buggy ride over to um, this chiropractor, and she rents the room next to his office, and within, and he says, well, you know, we know that the pancreas regulates blood sugar and you have compromised nerve supply to the pancreas, so adjusting this should restore your body's function. Well, sure enough, it did. Within a couple of weeks, her blood supply returned to her legs. Within a month, her blood sugar normalized just by getting her out of that neurologic stress. Now, she was so excited, she became one of the first women chiropractors, and this guy was passionate. You go from going to die to healthy. Now, I was taught by her grandson. That's right. So this is a family story. So this is an urban legend, and it was brilliant. So um, what are some of the causes? Obviously, the junk oils, the toxic, the fats. Now, if you're under physical, chemical, or emotional stress, your blood sugar is going to elevate, and that's a normal response. So the problem is, if people see that elevation in blood pressure, they're going to give you a drug to lower it. Now, your body is self-regulating. That means it regulates itself. 
So if you take a blood pressure drug and that elevates, um, you know, you've got high blood pressure and you take a drug to lower it, by God, the body's got to get it back up there. So it's going to send a message to get more energy in the system. So it's going to tell the liver to break the glycogen down to glucose that elevates the blood sugar to get that energy level back up. Now let's look at the other aspects that will raise blood sugar. If we look at the Journal of Pediatrics Maternal and Family Health, and this is 2011, uh, they had a four-year-old female insulin-dependent type 1 diabetes for a chiropractic evaluation. And sure enough, and this was wild, there was significant decrease in hemoglobin A1C, uh, which resulted in lessening of the insulin administration. When we look at annals of vertebral subluxation research, a 67-year-old female presented with several complaints, including type 2 diabetes. After four visits, the patient returned to her medical doctor and was able to stop taking insulin for her diabetes. That was 2015. So it's not just Lillian Ashworth that had results. This is consistent. If you alter that stress response from the nervous system, then the stress response from the body um, recovers. Your body balances out. So what are the causes of type 1, type 2, type 3 diabetes? Well, we're looking at neurotoxins. So this is in the food, vaccines, pesticides, and herbicides. We're looking at food toxins in the chemicals and the genetically modified organisms and preservatives. We're also looking at trauma. This could be physical, chemical, or emotional trauma. And then medications. A huge number of medications cause damage. So... And when we look at old reports of vaccine injury, we know going way back to 1949, the whooping cough vaccine, um, they literally have research that shows that it had gave patients trouble in maintaining normal glucose levels. In the 60s, 70s, and 80s, they, they were observations that viral infections may be a cofactor in causing diabetes such as the live viral vaccines, like the MMR, was considered a cofactor. In 1980, there was a study in rubellus, rubella virus vaccine that, that can damage the pancreas. In uh, the mumps vaccine can also damage the pancreas. Now, we know in 2011, uh, there were around 54 shots recommended. Now, in 2020, there's 72 doses of 17 different vaccines. We know in 2002, according to the Journal of Autoimmunity, uh, quote, vaccines can cause chronic diseases such as diabetes. So we know that there's a lot of damage when you're injecting a foreign, um, foreign substance into a body. Like let's say you're junk, uh, injecting uh, chicken uh, proteins, you know, you're doing the flu shot, or you're doing monkey kidney or dog kidney or aborted human fetal cells all of which are constituents or growth medium for vaccines, that can trigger the immune system to go wild. And this is why we're seeing such a rise in this type of damage. Uh, we're also going to go over other studies tonight about how influenza vaccine has been shown to increase diabetes. Uh, now we got to get to increased intestinal permeability. This is a leaky gut. And this is hugely important. This was a great article published in the Annals of the New York Academy of Science on May 28, 2009. And 
Quote, there is growing evidence that increased intestinal permeability plays a pathogenic role in various autoimmune diseases. Absolutely it does. And when we see this, and consistently we'll see it on vaccine-damaged kids or, or adults that have had some type of long-term toxicity, antibiotic use, commercially produced foods, all of this weakens the, the wall of the intestine, allowing undigested proteins to get into the bloodstream. And that's horrible because it does cause tissue damage and an inflammatory reaction. So what's going on with our population? Number one, right now, we have a very sick population. We know that, that diabetes, type 1 and type 2, are through the roof. I mean, just absolutely insane. Uh, no, oh, gosh. Uh, when we know that high blood pressure medications, according to the New England Journal of Medicine, can cause diabetes, we know that statin drugs or cholesterol-lowering drugs increase diabetes. We know that the glucose-lowering drugs they give you, okay, now remember, think all this stuff. The cholesterol drugs can increase diabetes. The blood pressure drugs increase diabetes. Vaccines can cause the immune system to damage uh, the body. Leaky gut can lead to diabetes and autoimmune diseases. Heck, according to the British Medical Journal, even utilizing the drugs to chemically lower the blood glucose, there's the title of the article, Effect of Glucose-Lowering Treatments on All-Cause Mortality, Cardiovascular Death, Meta-Analysis of Randomized Control Trials. If you lower glucose 9%, you have a 19% increase in mortality. If you lower blood glucose 14%, you have a 43% increase in mortality. So what is the cause of all of this? Well, we know it's physical, chemical, or emotional stress. So what are the solutions? This is going to sound weird. If you're taking, you have to assess the physical stress, assess the emotional stress, and assess the chemical stress. Once you find the problem, then you can fix it. So when you're doing physical, uh, look at x-rays of the entire spine, heart rate variability, posture analysis. Um, look at, at the clues, like how, your, how many bowel movements a day do you have? Are your sleep patterns interrupted? Look at the actual stressors. And once you get the physical stressors corrected, stabilized, and restored, then look at the chemical stressors. You know, does this person have a leaky gut? We know increased intestinal permeability can cause that. When we look at uh, medications, if you're taking cholesterol medications, high blood pressure medications, type 2 diabetes medications, we know all of those are stress responses and not real pathologies. Look at uh, changing your diet to a plant-based organic diet. Eliminate grains for a while. Um, exercise, look at air filters, water filters. Exercise, and I mean as little as a half hour a day will make a difference. Let's say if you're wheelchair bound, you can start using hand weights, arm weights. If, you're, if you can't move, you can do at least deep breathing exercises. Do look at the Wim Hof breathing or conscious breathing. Then look at emotional components, because your emotional state can actually elevate your blood sugar. I know it sounds weird. Think of this. Looking at type 2 diabetes has a response to stress. And correcting the response to stresses, then your body will produce less blood glucose, 
okay, because you're going to take in less and you're going to be a less of a st- stress state, and your your body will start to function correctly based on the environment. Okay, so look at how you sleep because if you want to screw someone's sugar up, okay, blood sugar up, put them in a stress state and don't let them sleep. Okay, exercising is the key. Deep breathing is the key. And you got to figure under one of the slides that we're going to use, deep breathing and exercise are one of the keys for dealing with the physical stress, the chemical stress, and emotional stress. So we change our view of the entire world. So diabetes is not a disease. Type 2 diabetes is an adaptation to a toxic and deficient environment. To treat it as a disease, to give a drug to lower that blood glucose, okay, literally weakens the immune system. And since people with type 2 diabetes, and we're talking, a third of America will eventually be diabetic or pre-diabetic or, you know, be diagnosed with it. Why? Because we're just sick to be Americans? No. It's because we're exposed to physical, chemical, and emotional stressors. Look at your immune system. Now, do you want to go around the rest of your life uh, with a mask, social distancing, and not connecting with others? Just think of this. If you have a beautiful, perfect baby, do you want that baby running around in the grass and petting and hugging a dog and playing with other kids? Or will he be exposed to danger, injury, viruses, funguses, and bacteria? So to keep him healthy, should he be running around playing in a park with dogs and friends? Or should you isolate him, cover him in Purell, give him a mask, let isolate him inside? Look at that fear factor. Please let common sense reign. Okay, we are designed to live on this planet. If you have physical, chemical, or emotional stressors, those are what's causing the problem. Okay, choose how you want to live. Okay, look at the science behind our species. This is Dr. John Bergman, your voice of reason. Check out our video tonight and our video on YouTube and our videos on BitChute. God bless you, and I love you.